Today's episode of No Dunks is brought to you by Game Time. Pop quiz, hot shots. Do you think NBA tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? I don't know. Answer the question. Answer the question, Lee. Mm, I would say three hours. Interesting. You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting so you can scout out your Instagram angles, and then buy in two taps. It took me five swipes and four taps to delete an email yesterday. Two taps to buy tickets, it's crazy. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download GameTime in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last-minute tickets. focusing on the game because I keep on looking down and I'm seeing Terry Stott's chest hair hanging out. And that's not a good look for anybody. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast. This is part three of our NBA season preview series. I'm J.D. Skeets up in Toronto sipping on some tea and alongside me making the magic happen, J.D. How's it going, eh? There he is, eh? Down in Atlanta, we got the homie, Tass Mellis. First hump day of the season, guys. How we feeling? Fresh? Good. Oh, we're okay. The bearded one is beside you, Trey Kirby. Hey yo! Hey yo! And of course, the international man of mystery taking it to the max, the Aussie Lee Ellis. Friend. Mm, Lily. <laughs> All right. A little bit of house cleaning here first, guys. Make sure you check out part one and two of our NBA season preview series. It's up and available across all platforms wherever you listen to podcasts. I think you can get the No Dunks podcast. Thanks so much to everyone who's already downloaded that bad boy, listened to the show, told their friends, shared it on social media. We really, really appreciate it. Follow us on our social media accounts, Twitter and Instagram, at No Dunks Inc. That's at No no Dunks, No Dinks, No Dunks, (laughs) I-N-C. We also own No Dinks. We're going to have some great content up on that a little bit later. And uh, you know, you know we're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash No Dunks Inc. Well, I guess it's official. We're now on Facebook. Don't forget to email us, No Dunks, at TheAthletic.com. All right. So continuing here with the burning questions, our first one here for part three, guys. It's about the Battle of L.A., it's going to be one of the opening night games, um, a little less than a week from now. Clippers, Lakers, who's the better team? Who is the better team in L.A.? Who do you got, guys? It's the Clippers. And for as lame of a hot take as this might seem, I think it comes down to the supporting cast. Because mere months ago, in April, the Clippers were pushing a full-strength Golden State Warriors team almost to the brink in a playoff series, and then they go and get two superstars. The Lakers, they went and got their one superstar in Anthony Davis. That's great. But then when they didn't get their other one, they couldn't get their second one. They said to their guys that they had last year that were still free agents, uh, okay, you guys can come back now because we didn't get the superstar <laughs> we wanted. They re-signed JaVale McGee. They re-signed Rajon Rondo. They re-signed Catavius Caldwell-Pope, who, sure, they can contribute, but it doesn't compare to what the Clippers have around Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. It absolutely doesn't. We've talked about their defense already in preview one and preview two. Their second unit, you know, surrounding Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell with guys like Mo Harkless and Roddy McGruder even and Montrez playing beside Jermichael Green. I think they're stacked one through ten. I don't see how you take the Lakers just looking at the rosters right now. 
Yeah, the way I think that you could argue that the Lakers have the better team is they maybe have a better top two. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, I would say, is the best player out of the four big names in L.A. And then it's LeBron, and then it's probably Anthony Davis ahead of Paul George, especially considering Paul George is going to be coming off injury. Uh, yeah, he's depth, missing time. That's big. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Um, but like you're saying, Tess, the depth of the Clippers is so much more than the depth of the Lakers. You look just kind of comparing the rest of the starting lineups. It seems like Avery Bradley will likely get a shot for uh, the Lakers. Patrick Beverly is a better version of Avery Bradley, and it kind of goes on down the line. There are more reliable players on the Clippers who are more likely to show up in a big game. I trust a guy like Danny Green for the Lakers. But I don't necessarily trust Kyle Kuzma. He hasn't played in a huge leverage game. There are a lot of guys. He's also injured. Yeah, exactly. On the injury, Clippers yeah. team who have already played in the playoffs, have already had big games throughout their career. That's not necessarily the case up and down the roster for the I, Lakers. I certainly have more faith in the Clippers too right now because there's a few questions I have about the Lakers. LeBron's going to be 35 in December. He's going to be still good. But last year, he's coming off that the worst injury season of his career. So you expect that he is going to start to slow down and start to take better care of his body and just not try to go out there every single night and have to perform. And I also have some questions about Anthony Davis right now. We know he's a good player, no doubt. But is he a franchise-changing player? Is he a yes. superstar? Yes. Really? He because, is. Yeah. Because, okay, let's go back to the one playoff series that, he, that his team won. It wasn't really because of him. It was because of Drew Holiday and Rajon Rondo and the way that the Pelicans played the Portland Trailblazers. And then in the next round, they lose pretty easily anyway to the Golden State Warriors. So uh, my question for Anthony Davis right now, he's got two questions coming into this season. One, we know that he's injury prone throughout his career and he had the the MRI on his thumb that came back clean. So he should be uh, okay to start the season, which is fine. But also he quit on his team last year. That's not a good sign for a star player to just say, you know what, I've had enough. I'm quitting on this team. I don't want to be here anymore. So he has, gonna, he has got a lot to uh, answer for this season because this is the year where he has to take over this team and be unquestionably the best player on the Lakers. I'm not sure if he's ready and able to do that just yet. Hopefully- I think he could swing a series single-handedly by himself against even the Clippers. I don't think there's anybody on the Clippers roster who can handle Anthony Davis. I think he's going to run wild when they play against him. On the other hand, though, the Lakers aren't going to be able to guard the two perimeter stars from the Clippers. Right. They don't have enough bodies to hang with two guys who can create their own mm. shot on the perimeter. LeBron probably isn't even going to be able to guard Kawhi Leonard or Paul George for the entirety of a playoff series. If we're looking further and further down the line, he's going to have to take some rest because he's going to still have a huge offensive Mm. load. That being said, Anthony Davis could easily go 45 and 20 for an entire playoff series and just crush the ball off the offensive glass, getting these easy put-back dunks. He's got, what, five inches, basically, on Montrezl Harrell? Uh, He could do that, but we haven't seen it yet. And he hasn't played on a team like this either. Yeah, he but, hasn't but, played with the I know, but, but, but I'm saying like if he's a really a franchise-altering player, he would have put up those numbers, even if it was in a loss against the Warriors. But he didn't really do that for me. I, I, I just question whether or not he has actually got that ability to do that for a team. I haven't seen it yet. I didn't like the way he quit on the Pelicans. Maybe he can, you know, he can shut me up this season and be that player. But until he does that, I'm, uh, I'm a little on the fence about him, about just how dominant he can be. Skeet, shut, shut Lee up. Go ahead. No, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, Lee. I think he's going to use what you're spewing, this whole idea like he quit on his team, and there is no doubt. I mean, he just blew up the Pelican season last year. He's going to use that, though, uh, the doubters like you, as the motivation to prove and shut you guys up that I am actually one of the best players in the game and this is the best player I've ever played with now in LeBron maybe the best roster all around that I've ever had obviously there's going to be a lot of attention in LA even especially now with this Clippers versus Lakers rivalry that we're going to get again on opening night um, starting it off with a bang so yeah I, I hear what you're saying but he is he can change a game 
on both ends of the floor. I mean, when he's locked in, and I think he's going to. I really think, you know, we were we were making our MVP picks, and we sort of glossed over AD a little bit because we think, yeah, you know, it's tough because you got LeBron, and it's maybe a KD Curry thing where they cancel each other out a little bit because, like, who is truly the best player on the team? So maybe he doesn't get those MVP votes. But I could be completely wrong with that, too. He could put up monster numbers, prove that it's his team, take the Lakers, obviously, to one of the top uh, seeds in the West, and... uh, and really, you know, stamp his uh, stamp his his impact on the game again, and sort of across the league in general as one of the best players. I'm excited. Like, I'm I'm hearing you with the Clippers though. Overall, they're deeper. They they had a good team already. They are well coached with Doc, and then they just added star elite wing players in Paul George and Kawhi. That makes sense that they're just going to be better. But I'm excited for LeBron to have some shooting back around him again, like a little bit more. Danny Green, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, Danny Green though. Troy Daniels can shoot the ball. Yeah, Avery Bradley is—he's a little hit or miss at times, but there's more shooting. Even Anthony Davis are crying out loud. There is more shooting than this weird sort of first-year Lakers-LeBron experiment of, uh, well, it worked in Cleveland with a bunch of shooters around him, but let's not do that. We're not going to do that this time. It was stupid from the get-go, and they're going back to sort of what has worked with an older LeBron, and I think that's going to help their chances. But. This is a, it's an interesting one because better overall in the regular season, yes, I think it will ultimately be the Clippers, but I like what you said there, Trey. In a head-to-head matchup with everyone healthy, is LeBron and AD still enough despite having a, a weaker bench than the Clippers to get you past in, in a best-of-seven series? I think it's possible. I, I really do because I think they are, I think they're going to be the best duo uh, overall, LeBron and AD. AD is definitely an all-world player. I, I I, you, I think we forget how amazing he is, and that he's you know top six or seven player. He might not be able to be stopped by the Clippers. They don't match up well with bigs. I guess that's that's their only real weakness yeah. to me. Yeah. With Ivica Zubac and Jamichael Green, Harold Green, yeah. these are Harrell. not guys who are going to be able to shut down an Anthony Davis. Sure, no, but it does go the other way as well. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there aren't really great big wings. Avery Bradley's their best defender at six two. Uh, Kawhi shooting over him. Paul George is shooting over him. It's going to be tough for LeBron. Uh, to guard that in the series, and uh, who's guarding Lou Williams? No one. I, I know. I know that's going a little bit deeper on the roster, but the guy no, was doing no, it. No, he's going to be closing Warriors. games for sure at times. But that's the, the other thing. If uh, you know, if Davis is out there, fair enough, one on one, no one can stop him. But if they double him, because if he's out there on the floor with, say, a Rondo and even a Dwight Howard or a Contavious Caldwell Pope, you've got a guy who can then you can come and double off. Yeah. So it makes yep. it harder for Davis. No, that's, that's why you're hoping Danny Green and Quinn Cook. And, yeah, and, and, and these guys you know Danny Green. Danny Green's solid veteran, but you know we all, he also does have his cold moments as well. So yeah. you know, one of those players that's um, capable of hitting those threes. But as you know, as a Raptors fan, he can also have long stretches where he doesn't hit them. But also the big question with the Lakers is the coaching situation too. That's a that's a bad situation that I think is going to rear its ugly head at some point. With Jason Kidd there if behind they, Frank If they Vogel. start slowly, for sure. Yeah, even if they don't start slowly, I think Jason Kidd is just, he, he's not really there waiting to become a head coach. He wants to become that head coach. And I, I think that there, there is going to become, that is going to become an issue at some point for the Lakers. I don't think Jason Kidd's going to be happily just playing along as the assistant coach this season. I think he, you know, he, he said he wanted to be the Lakers coach. Do you think the coach of LeBron matters that much, though? I mean, he went to the finals after he engineered David Blatt ouster for Ty yeah. Lue coming in, still went to the finals, won it the next year. Eric Spolstra, we know there was a whole bunch of beef at the beginning of his Miami tenure. They still went to the finals every single time. LeBron is the coach on the floor. Maybe the guy sitting on the bench will yeah. change. That could be some drama, but 
all things considered, you're doing what LeBron wants. Yeah, I well, think there just might be a more cohesive locker room with the Clippers. And does it really matter all that much in the regular season? I, I think that's where the Clippers will get a few extra wins, maybe because they love each other a little more. Maybe mm-hmm. Kawhi picked... He did. He said he picked the Clippers because Doc Rivers is is there. Sure. And yeah, the Clippers, yeah. the Lakers situation is odd that a front office installed an assistant coach in Frank Vogel or uh, Jason Kidd. No, you're right. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. It, it's it's strange all around. It comes out to the players though. Yeah, LeBron can win games. He is going to be a little banged up this season. I, you know, we look at the the Kawhi load management scenario. Paul George is going to miss the first ten games of the season. That's big. Uh, but I think Kawhi is going to play more than he did last year because he was coming off a, a year where he only played nine games the year prior in, in 17, 18. And so they took it a little bit slow. I think he's going to play more this year just because he played a lot more games last year. I think it'll, it'll just bump up. Uh, and, I, I, you know, AD, I think he's played 75 games the last two years. I think it's overblown how much he misses time. And uh, I think we forget the guy. Well, somewhat, you know, but in his you, first said, four you said seasons. He, he didn't play 70 games. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like it is very hard to shake an injury-prone reputation. For now, sure. fair enough to the season, not including last season because he sat out, but 75 games the prior two seasons. But again, already a bit of an injury coming in with the thumb. You know, they said they cleared him, but he's the sort of guy who when he does get injured, he tends to miss a few games in a row. Yeah. You know, yeah. so the clip, he's, the Clippers he's had a can... lot of injuries. Yeah. When, you, when you, you lay down him in a game of operation, the guy has been banged up. <laughs> shoulder, knee, ankle, thumb, ev- everywhere. Yeah. But, but I, I, I disagree when you say that he wasn't the reason that they beat the, the Blazers when they slapped him a couple of years ago. He drew all the attention and then drew... No pun intended. Drew Holiday and those guys took over, but he was creating yeah, the space the, because the, he's so good. It's like Curry in the fifteen finals; like they doubled him, got the ball out of his hands, yeah. and everybody else took over. But I think the key moment in that series was how the guards, Rondo and Holiday, particularly defended Lill- uh, Lillard and CJ McCollum. And yeah, also remember, sure. Nikola Mirotic was just on fire in that series as well. He hit threes galore. Look, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that Davis. He's didn't, a freak. Didn't, didn't, He's he a didn't freak. have an impact, but I'm just saying, I just think from what I've seen so far, I'm, I'm, he puts up these great numbers. They look all nice and flashy, you know, 25 and 12. But now he's in a situation where, okay, you have to deliver and you have to carry this team and it has to be clear, true. clear that it's you that's doing it. It and, can't and, be. Yeah, I agree. And the, there's no doubt the Clippers can avoid an injury, be it load management, a shoulder, whatever, a tweaked ankle. They can manage that better to Kawhi or Paul George than I think the Lakers can if LeBron goes down for a significant amount of time or Anthony Davis goes down for a significant amount of time. I think they're in. They'll yeah. be then. They'll then be like playing for sort of holding on for a playoff spot, not a top seed uh, in the West. Were that to happen. We don't even care that Paul George is missing the first 10 games of the season. Right, yeah. <laughs> Already. Right. Yeah, even the preseason buzz is that the Lakers are working on finding out who in the world are we going to start, whereas the Clippers are like, we have so many guys we can start, yeah. we're going to take chances with different lineups here and there. They still think uh, the Clippers, I think, will have a move to make. I don't think that they're big guys that they have right now, and Zubats, Harrell, and Jermichael Green will be the guys that are playing at the end of the season necessarily. I think they're still going to want somebody – just a big, huge dude to stand near the rim and make it a little bit tough because they could get beat up on the glass. That's clearly their weakness. Teams seem to be trending a little bit bigger these days. The war, uh, the Lakers are clearly going to play big ball. You know, JaVale McGill will likely start with Anthony Davis and LeBron. That's a huge team that's going to be a terror on the glass. Anthony Davis, he picks up a couple of knick-knack injuries here and there, but then he also gets killed for not wanting to play center. So it's like you yeah. can understand where he's coming from. He can't play center for a full season. That'll be a big lineup for 36 minutes out of the game. Then he goes small. 
and that's that's where LeBron and AD mm. will really feast. Zubats was good for them when he came over last season, and he runs the floor. He's just not a great rim protector. Right. So the Lakers yeah. would love to have that guy. Yeah, yeah of course, yeah, they would. for sure, absolutely. But uh, but I think Anthony Davis is going to be a lot happier than when he was in the Dell dumps in New Orleans <laughs> <laughs> because he's got he's going to be playing with. Well, five. he's got no excuse for it this season. This no. is what he wanted. He got it. So here we a lot go. of pressure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. Do you think, as an extension of that question with the Clippers-Lakers, are one of those two, two teams the best team in the West, or is there another team, be it the Nuggets, be it the Jazz, be it the Rockets, whoever, that you think will be you know, number one come the end of the regular season? Well, I think the Nuggets will finish with the best record in the West. Okay, I think wow. uh, from what we've seen last season from them, um, they're going to get better. We talked a lot about it uh, in some of the earlier shows there. The continuity's there. The players there. They've got that great home court advantage in Denver. Uh, I think you're going to see them improve from last season. And, and again, with the Clippers, even though I think they're a better team than Lakers, there's still going to be a little bit of an adjustment period there. Um, but I, I would say the Nuggets are my team that's probably going to win maybe 60 games this year in the West. Yeah, I kind of think the Nuggets and Jazz will both finish with better records than the Lakers and Clippers because they care about the regular season. Both teams are teams that are going to want to have home court advantage when they get to the playoffs. They're teams that really haven't experienced a lot of postseason success, Um, and they're honestly try-hard teams. They don't have the team. They don't have the top two stars that are going to knock down, knock your socks off. So. They have to play a little bit more. There are teams that are still trying to build their rep rather than guys who are established in the league. LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George, Anthony Davis to a lesser extent. They don't care about the regular season. They know what it's like to prioritize the playoffs, and that's what they're going to continue to do. The Jazz and Nuggets, the mountain teams, they're going to want to prioritize the regular season. Those are fair points, but I think it's in the Clippers' DNA. It's in Doc Rivers' DNA to work their butts off in the regular season, like they did last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were a real, real tough team. I do think it's going to be sort of like the last few years in the Western Conference, you know, three through nine, where we see basically like three games difference. I think that's going to go up to the one seed this hmm. year. Uh, there's, they're going to be within a game or two. Uh, all, the, all those teams you guys mentioned, I, I'd take the Clippers because I think Denver's going to fall off just a touch. Uh, but it's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, that final like week or two of the NBA season could be insane in terms of like teams trying to jockey of who their opponent's going to be in a first-round series. Uh, like you said, Taz, all the way from, like, 1 to 9. Oh, my God. It's gonna, it is going to be fun to watch. Can't wait. All right. Let's get to our next question here. Guys, which player? We're going to focus on players here. Which player is entering, in your opinion, a make-or-break season? We're going to start with... Uh, we'll start with Lee. Who's entering a make-or-break season, Lee? I'm going with my Aussie dude. Dante Exum, <laughs> your dude, uh, out, in, dude. Uh, out in Utah because uh, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Yeah, and, and the Jazz have actually been very good to him, uh, extending his contract. But the the real problem for for Dante is he just he's a guy who gets injured and it kind of wipes out his season. And that's he's he's facing a situation now where the Jazz have invested a lot, but if he can't stay on the court. You figure they're just going to either try to move on from him or you know trade him, whatever, because um, he's shown he can be a good player. Let's go back to that series against the Rockets in the playoffs, where he actually defended James Harden quite well. Um, you know, he shows he he can do things. He he can be a point guard. He's he's explosive. He's got great athleticism, but his body has just let him down so far, and it's gotten worse. And it started off okay his career. He played the uh, eighty-two games in his first season, uh, but then it's just dropped off since then. And last year he was out fairly early. He's had a knee, uh, the ACL done. He did his ACL. He's done his shoulder. Um, 
So he just has to stay on the floor and stay healthy and contribute because the Jazz picked him high. I think he was fifth pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was. Um, and again, you know, anytime you extend a guy's contract, you, you're showing that you believe in this guy. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a rough ride for him. And I think he can be a good player. I think he can be an effective player. But and they also went and got Emmanuel Moutier, who could yeah, eat some of his minutes. Well, that, that's the other thing. I think that Jazz are probably saying we need an insurance policy because this guy yep. tends to get injured. So I obviously am, am pulling for him here. I, if I say I'm rooting for him for an Australian, that probably sounds kind of weird yeah, for our right, Australian listeners. Right. But uh, I'm pulling for him. I hope he can I hope he can stay healthy and get out there on the floor and uh, and be an effective contributor for the Jazz because he's got a lot of talent. He's, he's a good player, but we just haven't seen much of it yet. It is wild. He's played like a little bit over 200 games and he's been in the league five seasons something mm-hmm. like that and that's it uh that is uh and that's like you said Lee, uh, that's including a great first season that he played all 82 um so over the last four it's been pretty rough playing in like 120 games yeah maybe it'll help one. him playing with his country mate joe ingles off the bench it looks like jingles will won't be oh, starting Jingles, he's going to the All-Star game this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeff Green took his spot in the starting lineup so far. That's all right. That's all right. Joe will be finishing games. Okay, yeah, Dante true. Exum. That's, uh, that's X going to give it to you. That's a good one. Uh, what do you got, Trey? I don't know if this necessarily qualifies as a make-or-break season because the man is banking, but Jimmy Butler's got a lot of pressure on him. He is finally where he wants to be. You know, he was traded from Chicago to Minnesota. It was fine because Thibodeau was there. I don't think going to Minnesota is probably Jimmy Butler's number one choice. Not then his dream. The Sixers presented an opportunity where he could, you know, get back uh, a little bit more spotlight and get a little bit more reputation, play for a better team. Went there, talked about how he's all about winning. All he cares about is winning. And then when he had a chance in the summer, he left a title contender. He could have easily re-signed with the Sixers. They would have paid him a whole bunch of money. And they would have probably gone to the Eastern Conference Finals, at least, perhaps into the Finals. Instead, he wants his own team in Miami. That's pretty clear. He wants to be the man. He wanted to be the man in Miami. Now you are. Your team is worse than they were when you were playing for Philadelphia. They are. Show up. Do That's it, going to be hard. You've been saying you're one of the best guys in the league and all you care about is winning. Now is your chance to put your stamp on a franchise that really matters in the NBA. Let's see if he can do it. Mm. It's not going to be easy. But uh, the Miami scene fits him, right? Yep. Not, yep. Not, and I don't just mean South Beach. I just mean that whole roster is known for guys working hard, for having these markers of body fat percentage and, and just uh, the cardio limits and, and working their butts off. So... It, it seems like it fits. Him. The player who talks about how hard they work the most is Jimmy Butler. The franchise that talks about how hard they work the most right. is the Miami Heat. Yeah. Right. It seems like a perfect marriage, but you know the talent isn't necessarily at the upper echelon. So let's see how much Jimmy Butler can raise that talent level. But there's some enticing pieces there to put with Jimmy. Like even young guys, sure. obviously Bam, and then and you know Deion Waiters is you know coming back from injury and. They might have like the rookie of the year here in, in Tyler Hero who's caught fire in preseason so far. Sure. Can't miss a three and he's got the swag and everybody's talking up him. So yeah, the the Heat are an interesting team. I've seen people talk themselves into the Heat being a top four team in the East and mm-hmm. others, you know, thinking that they're maybe just in the playoff race and so on. But uh, that's a, I actually like that as you're right, make or break is maybe the wrong term for it, but a lot of pressure because Jimmy asked for this and now he's got it. Yeah, and we're getting peak Jimmy. I mean, he's on the other side of 30 now. It's a little make or break to me because... He's an old 32. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. E- exactly. As, as he gets into his uh, further into his contract, he's not going to be a healthier Jimmy. Mm. That's highly unlikely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's why you got to go get Chris Paul, I think. Just go all in, chips all in right now. Wow. Because, I don't know, you mentioned those guys, uh, Skeets. 
Not the second. The second name you said is Dion Waiters. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know. I was, and I was thinking you were going to go Olenek, too. I was like, <laughs> that's reaching. It's, it's a hot pick right now. Yeah, but uh, I'm not. I'm not totally buying it. Yeah. Okay. Well, who you got for uh, a player entering a make or break season? Then test. I got Reggie Jackson. Mere days ago, he was railing on Giancarlo Stanton for not playing in a lot of games this year. Oh, that's the old, that's the old Reggie Jackson who did that. Uh, people forget about Reggie. I had to mention the other Reggie Jackson because people forget about this Reggie Jackson. I remember in 2014, Skeets, you were mentioning or you commented on the contract that he got five years, eighty million dollars. Yep. When we were too afraid to say anything on TV. I'm kidding. You said it. You said it there. You said I don't know how the Pistons are paying him five for eighty. Coming off what he was in Oklahoma City, backing up Russell Westbrook, not getting along with uh, a lot of the guys in the locker room there. And it hasn't paid off. You look at his numbers, and they're fine, actually. You know, he's 29 years old, but this is his final year of his contract. So to me, uh, if he doesn't have a big year, and and he really has to step out of what he's done in in previous years and be really good, and that's going to be very, very hard for him, especially with Derrick Rose there uh, now taking a lot of his shots. Uh, I don't know what a team gives him next year. It's going to be a backup role uh, unless things change drastically because uh, everybody's got a starting point up, uh, starting point guard, I should say, out there. Uh, That's kind of what the Pistons did anyway, isn't it? They needed a point guard, so they lavished that big contract on him. You know, the, mm-hmm. it, He might find another situation like that where a team's kind of just desperate, probably not to yeah. that extent. But He'll be 30 at that time. He was also he was playing well off the bench where you thought maybe he – you know, let's see how he goes in the starting role, but he, he's clearly not been able to live up to it quite to the level that we thought he was capable of. It was definitely a reputation yeah. purchase. Yeah, <laughs> and now we've <laughs> got Reggie hopes. Jackson two point uh, in Terry Rozier with Charlotte. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm. It's, uh, it's basically that's the exact point. same thing. That's a, that's a good one. Can we? Um, with this question, can we still say Andrew Wiggins, or have we moved on from that? Uh, yeah, I think we've, we've moved on. We've probably yeah. moved on from that. Yeah, it's a, it's sad. Sad. It's already broke. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean. It's, yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. you know what? Actually, until he, probably until he finds another spot, like lands with another team, is moved or whatever. Yeah, I think that is the case in Minnesota. It just sort of feels that way. Which is, it's funny to think like two or three years ago he was averaging like twenty four points per game, but last year was abysmal. I mean, he shot forty one percent from the floor, thirty four percent from three, seventy percent from the line. Didn't improve at all defensively. He looks lost half the time out there. You don't even know he's out there half the time. Yeah, okay, so we won't say Wiggins. We'll just move on from him. <laughs> I can't say anything living, uh, being here in Canada as well about Andrew Wiggins. Can't say anything bad. Um, I'm going to go... I'm actually going to go with a guy only entering his third season, so maybe it's a little premature. Doesn't turn 22 until February, but I'm going to go Malik Monk as a bit of a make-or-break season for him because he, this guy was... He was lights out in, at, at Kentucky the one year. He was like 20 points per game, shot well from deep, and in the two seasons in the NBA, he's... He struggled. He struggled from the floor. He struggled from three. Now he hasn't. He hasn't really been given like consistent minutes, but that's a bit on him, I think, because it's not like he was playing for a, a team that had so much talent there in Charlotte that he just like couldn't get on the floor. So there's obviously a reason. That's because I think he's one of the team's worst defenders. So if you're struggling to have confidence in him with his shot because he's streaky at times and and, and it's not falling, then you can't even rely on like, well, that's all right. Get out there and play some defense because he doesn't really do that. But He's going to get a chance here, I think, in Charlotte now. They're starved for scoring options with Kemba leaving. Yes, they have Terry Rozier, Reggie Jackson 2.0, but Malik Monk is going to get a chance, and I just want to see if he can... I get It's similar to Exum in a little bit way as a younger guy. Like, here you go. Let's see what type of player you are. Um, obviously, he's a small guard, 
and he's not a point guard. He's a, he's a shooter, but he hasn't really been able to shoot so far mm-hmm. in the NBA. So maybe he puts it all together this year. I think the Hornets have until the end of the month too to pick up his um, to decide at least whether to pick up his fourth year. Uh, I think something like five point three million dollar option. So on his contract. So we will see. Malik Monk. Yeah, it seems to be a little bit more uh, Dwayne Bacon buzz coming out of Charlotte. <laughs> right? the bacon is sizzling. You don't like to hear that from the Malik Monk standpoint. But if we're talking 2.0s, this guy is J.R. Smith 2.0. Yep, yep. Just let it fly. You got to make some of them. You got to get some highlight dunks. But that's the path here. You're going to be a six man who fills it up from time to time. Maybe you set the record for most missed threes in a game or something right? like that. Hey, look, J.R. Smith made himself a fine NBA career. That's right. So, yeah. so Monk still has time. And like yeah. I said, very young, only third year. And, I, and he's going to be given an opportunity. He should be, at least. East, um, here in Charlotte. All right, our next question. I love this question. I don't know why. It's one of my favorite questions every season preview. Who makes their first NBA All-Star game? Who makes their first NBA All-Star game? Who wants to uh, take this one first? I got one for you. Zion Williamson is a lock Ooh. to start oh, I have the that, All-Star game. I have that written down. Okay, yeah. a lock? You don't think we could have a lock similar situation right to Luka Doncic? Because he got all the play, or the fan votes. Luka Doncic? <laughs> Zion Williamson has 4.4 million Instagram followers. The guy's been famous for three years already. Maybe Doncic had a more storied international career where he was dominating in Spain, but he was not on the cover of Slam Magazine when he was 16 years old. People have been ready and waiting to see Zion Williamson play in the NBA. Lee Ellis went down to the Phillips State Farm Arena (laughs) Fortress to see Zion's first preseason game. He thought he saw Zion's first NBA dunk. I saw it was in warm-ups, Lee. A guy doing way-up lines is not a first NBA dunk, but people are excited to see Zion. He's going to be a highlight machine. He's going to be good. The Pelicans, perhaps they catch some people off guard early in the season and have a better record uh, heading into the All-Star break than we're expecting. I think he's, he's in there. Okay. I have him down on mine as a Zion question mark. I don't think he can start because I just don't think now that the way they've changed the, uh, the, the, the voting process, I just think he won't get that starting nod because it's only 50% of fan vote. And then you've got the players and media after that and I think uh, the players will say we respect him but he's not going to start over a guy who's been around forever in in, in my opinion Um, and if he's the leading scorer for a playoff well well, look if he's a leading scorer then it's in play for sure it's in play I I must must, uh, correct you here though Trey Luka Doncic was on the cover of Golpe magazine, <laughs> which, which is slam in Spanish. Um, <laughs> Golpe. But uh, talking about leading, leading the league in scoring, I think this guy has a shot to do it this season. Chicago boy. Well, plays for Chicago. Uh, Zach Levine. Zach Levine. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I think, uh, I think he's sure. a real chance to, to lead the league in scoring this year, the game being in Chicago. Zach is one of those guys. He lights it up. He's been improving his shot too. He's not just a dunker. He's out there uh, getting buckets. He's clearly going to be the Bulls' first option, I think, yeah. on offense. Um, he has a real chance to make this game, I think. Uh, he'll stand out on the Bulls if they improve. Um, yeah, I mean, if he's leading the league in scoring, then then I'd, he won't start, in my opinion. But uh, I think he'll get the respect. I think people have liked the way that he bounced back from uh, from an injury. He got traded. He was a star player early. You know, won the dunk contest, but was regarded as just a flashy guy. But there's a, a lot more source uh, with his game right yeah, now. Yeah, and so. there there is like when you look at the East. Uh, all-stars from last season, you definitely can see an, an opening at the guard position for a guy like Zach Levine, mainly because yep. Oladipo is going to be out still for a good chunk of the season, so he's not going to be an all-star. And he was replaced last year 
by D'Angelo Russell, who's now moved to the West. And mm-hmm. like you got and even Kyle Lowry, is he gonna be an all-star again, or is that sort of run done? So yeah, there there to me seems to be an open guard spot in the East. And and a guy like Zach Levine makes sense if the Bulls, and we've talked about them in the first couple of previews, if they if they surprise some people and actually have a decent record and, and Trey Kirby's dad's all pumped up, then yeah. <laughs> Zach 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 Levine's in there. I've got him written down as well. Yeah, in that family of bubble teams in the Eastern Conference that have great guards, I think Trey Young has a good possibility mm-hmm. of, of doing the, the exact same thing as Zach Levine. If, if one of those teams is in the playoffs, yeah. uh, their best player, their best guard, one of those two guys can be in there. And uh, I, I do believe in, in the Hawks uh, somewhat. Uh, you know, there's, they're going to be bad defensively, but they're going to put points on the board uh, with Trey Young playing along, Kevin Herter, that beautiful shot. John Collins and uh, DeAndre, Cam, Cam DeAndre Reddish. DeAndre's looking. DeAndre he's Hunter. got a nice little shot too. Yeah, and he plays defense. Yeah. Uh, but they're bad on both ends last year, so it's going to be hard for them to really improve and get wins. But I, I think they are going to surprise some people. And I think uh, at the end of the day, when we look at that trade for Luka Doncic, it basically was Trey Young and Cam Reddish uh, that came the other direction. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a goal pay, a slam dunk win <laughs> for the uh, Atlanta Hawks. I not uh, slam dunk's too strong a word with Luka Doncic because he's a great player, but I believe in Cam Reddish uh, to some degree. Because it was great. I think Luka could make it too in his mm. for his really first year. I know he was in play last year, but didn't ultimately make the team. But yeah. especially because again, looking at the landscape there, Durant. So he goes east, but Kawhi is now in LA. So that basically that's a wash. So there's the forward spot. Kawhi is going to take Durant's, but Clay Thompson is out for the season, or at the very least, he's going to be out, of course, until February. He's not going to be playing in the All Star game. So. There's an open guard spot in the West there too, and I think isn't that Donovan Mitchell's spot his first time well, as an All Star? I feel like yep. he would get there first, the first member of a Jazz, right? Or is it, is well, it Rudy, Rudy Gobert? Well, Ru- I mean, Rudy might have that. You know, last year he you was, feels sad for, yeah, him? like he's like, and he's two time <laughs> Defensive Player of the Year, like he's got the respect. It's like maybe it's Rudy's turn. But Don- Dondo's going to be their leading scorer. He still was a great scorer yeah. in the regular season last year, not in the postseason. I think it's Donos to lose. But I, again, if if the Mavs if the Mavs are solid though, like Luka Doncic is going to get the fan vote. Now he's going to get millions more votes than than Mitchell or Rudy Gobert. He's just yeah, he's already proven that he is. He's the Gobert cover boy. Exactly. So, <laughs> but the coaches the coaches are going to say the Jazz if the Jazz are in the three, four, five, six seed, even they're going to be higher than the Mavs in the standings. Yeah. So you would expect them so, to get yeah, at least coach, one. Uh, yeah. Sneak one in. Maybe and maybe it's split somewhat with Rudy Gobert. Maybe that's a problem for them. Yeah, it's possible. Conley maybe taking in, in theory some votes from <laughs> Mitchell. Uh, yeah. I don't Unfortunately, know. Unfortunately that, that ship sailed for Mike Conley. I've got um oh, yeah, one, I've got one more get though. There. That's weird. One yeah. more um what about Pascal Siakam in the East? Yeah. Why I mean if the Raptors are a top team, like you're you're saying like sort of similar with the Jazz um task, if they're one of the top teams still in the in the Eastern Conference as the defending champs and everything, aren't they not gonna get like a representative and wouldn't it likely be Pascal Siakam, who was in the running even last year? Yeah, him or Lowry, I guess. I think yeah. I, I sort of think Lowry's Oddly think he's sort of done being an all-star. <laughs> you don't think he'll continue to get the Joe Johnson yeah, sign it. of respect once you're an all-star, always an all-star? Yeah. Um, That's the question. Maybe, that will be his case. Yeah. If, they're, if they're a decent team and he's showing off his leadership and his numbers are approaching more what they have been in his all-star seasons, I could see him getting the respect vote. But like you're saying, Skeets, if Siakam's leading the team in scoring yeah. and he looks like a first option, he could get some votes. Yeah, Lowry started off last season really hot, too. Yeah. So if he starts off again this season, then... You know, obviously, you want to catch people's attention early on. That helps. I think he still looked at as the most 
important Raptor. It's kind of like the Lowry DeRozan mm. scenario. But, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Uh, what about an Aaron Gordon? An Aaron yeah. Gordon with the Magic. I think there's he'd probably be their highest scorer. And they could definitely be in that team. That, that's a team that everyone's overlooking. They took a game yeah. off the NBA champion Toronto Raptors last year in the playoffs. Inspired them to victory, some would say. <laughs> Taking that game one. I would say that. Uh, game one of, of round one. And I think that's a playoff team. They're definitely knocking on the door. There's somebody from that family of Hawks, Bulls, Magic, Zards, um, <laughs> Pistons. Well, Gordon's another one who starts the year actually pretty well, too. He's always hitting 46% from three in the first mm-hmm. month or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like Vucevic made it last year for the Magic. That's yeah, true. That's right? true. So he I was, he was sort of looked at he as was the guy. And, and rightfully so, as. Um, you know, especially last year, as the better player on the Magic. So, yeah, but uh, that's a good that's a good one. If Marcus Marcus squashed his uh, All Star chances. Yes. I think. Yeah, in the postseason <laughs> limiting think, him to what eleven points yeah. per game. You think know. Vucevic is going to be a, just a one time All Star? Yes, it's possible. <laughs> Definitely possible. Um, I can see the hate pouring out of your pores, Lee. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah I forgot. Jeez. I forgot Lee hated Vucevic. I went from Vuce Island to let's invade Vuce Island. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's bomb it. Let's hear uh, hear from you guys out there with that question. That's always a fun one. Who's going to make their first All Star game? Is it Zion? Is it Luca? Pascal? Zach Levine? Aaron Gordon? On and on and on. Let us know on Twitter hashtag No Dunks. Uh, Let's take a quick break here because we did this on part two show. We asked Lee about his summer story, his summer adventure, and we got a great breakdown of a Billy Joel concert. (laughs) Um, But I thought we could continue the fun. I know that's a tough one to follow up, Trey, but do you have any... uh uh, fun summer stories to share with it, uh, to share with us, or something that you learned, or something like that. I spent a lot of time in the water this summer, as I usually do. Took sea ball season on tour from Georgia to Illinois to Wisconsin to Florida, a four-state tour of sea balls. But the most fun I had on the water was when I tried water skiing for the first time in 15 years. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, unlike riding a bike, it's not one of those things that you just remember how to do. 15 years ago, I was terrible at water skiing, could barely stay on my feet. 15 years later, the same thing. My wife uh, videotaped every single one of my attempts. 25 times I tried uh, to get up on my feet. The total amount of footage was two minutes and 23 seconds. <laughs> it's a great about... supercut. I saw you oh, posted my it. Goodness. I laughed all the way through it. As I was trying to get up on my feet, I know, maybe time number five, I was like, I'm not sure this is going to happen, but I'm going to keep trying because it's going to turn into a great video, oh, me falling <laughs> all of these times. Content is king. Oh, my goodness. It's like, I think after after all was said and done 25 times, uh, I was probably on my feet for 15 seconds of it total, and it was like, I would finally get up and then have no idea what to do because I've never really stood up right, on water skis. Right. What are you supposed to do? Everybody has tips for what you're supposed to do to stand up. After that, supposedly, you're supposed to be able to stay on your feet. <laughs> Didn't really happen for me. Uh, but then the walking the next couple of days oh. is just impossible. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was out there on the water. I was like, man, I know I'm falling all the time, but I'm still doing it. I'm out here. I'm really pushing myself. My body's working. I can't believe it. It's showing up for me here. The next day, not so much the case. I'm popping ibuprofen like crazy, wow. just laying on the couch. Sore from uh, my inner knee all the way up to my 
uh, inner thigh. <laughs> oh, we're talking no dinks for sure. Oh, I was <laughs> struggling. Uh, but I can't wait to get back out there next summer because I'm sure I'll be good at it. I've, I have tried uh, like wakeboarding uh, recently down there in Georgia on one of the lakes. I can't do it at all. I, and I hear you. Like The pain is just unbelievable. I also, the pain just in... In like your like wrists and your oh, lower man. arms is just on fire the next day, uh, and I think there is like there's nothing like more depressing or or I don't know I, I guess that's the best word for it than those sixty to ninety seconds where you have tried to get up on your skis or your wakeboard and then you've completely failed and then the boat has to come and get you like s- circle back around yeah and they're all talking about you oh too. I know they're like uh, you think he's done he's probably done he's yeah. little, he looks tired yeah. he looks terrible <laughs> and you're just sitting there bobbing in the water like right. and somebody's yelling like crappy instructions for what you should do and then somebody like counters that with do you're overthinking it just just <laughs> you're overthinking it you'll just pop up don't think about it oh i, I hated let that. the boat do the pulling yes stay yeah. underneath the rope yeah i was like I, where were all of these water skiing experts the previous 35 years of my life yeah. not anybody out here doing the tommy bartlett water show jumping over <laughs> ski slopes but suddenly as soon as i fall down 25 times they're like well here's what you should have done the best compliment i got was from dan the man driving the boat he's like <laughs> You know, I'm really impressed you tried so many times. <laughs> Most people fall like that. They don't go for as long as you did. I was like, thanks, Dan. Thanks. I'll fall more next time. <laughs> All right. Great summer story from Jay. But you are going to get back out there. Is that what you're saying? You're going to give it a go again? Oh, yeah. I've been hitting the rowing machine every single day yeah, since then. To build up my traps. <laughs> Your boy doesn't have a lot of upper body strength. Also deflating up. is seeing a, a young kid. Okay. Oh, for sure. Like an for eight sure. year old just f- walking back onto the shore, board in hand. Oh, yeah. Well, that and my wife grew up on a lake, and she's always like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to water ski. And she gets up the first time <laughs> oh. and goes until she's tired and bored. It's like, okay, I guess I'm done. I'll try it again next year, and I'll be able to do it immediately. Yeah. Oh, boy. All Frustrating. Right. Well, A plus effort uh, for, for giving it a go. That is not mm-hmm. easy. Especially, I mean, yeah, you, you fall the wrong way, you're breaking something at our age now here, too. You're twisting something. <laughs> The water's concrete, man. Everybody oh, forgets yeah. that. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Water's concrete. Oh, come on. It, it hurts. Oh, it is, about? yeah. <laughs> I came off a jet ski once at high speed, and I had no helmet on. It does. It, it really yeah. like, can knock you out. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great story. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen yeah. somebody wearing a helmet on a jet ski? No, but I think we should. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That's a good point. Don't disagree <laughs> necessarily, <laughs> but... I mean, you were going at such high speed. Like, anytime you get on that fast, yeah. you, you need to protect your head. But, but what did you do? Like, how did you go <laughs> flying off it? Did you, like, I, just I, try I, and take I, a tight I, turn and went... No, I was showboating. I uh, waved to the <laughs> to the people who were watching me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was one of those ones I was going so fast that the, the jet ski does, it, like, turns back around. Yeah. It was so far ahead of me, though, by the time <laughs> I came up. I was only, like, 16 as well. I was like, man, I just about killed myself here okay. but you know <laughs> before social media too so no one got the wave on camera that I could oh, then blast it that would have been great alright well let's get uh, let's get back into uh, our burning questions the NBA season preview here alright another um, award based question guys coach of the year who do you got for coach of the year Trey Kirby are you going Jim Boylan you said he was going to get some votes <laughs> I'm going with my man Jim Boylan in a big-time sweep, Coach of the Year. No, I'm kidding. It's really 
it's it's a tough call for me. I feel like Brett Brown is going to be both a coach of the year candidate and a first coach fired candidate. Whoa, it all depends okay. on how the the Sixers start the season. At the beginning of the year last year, they started nine and seven, and you started hearing almost immediately, "Is Brett Brown the right guy to coach the clip the Sixers?" He guided them through the process. He has a terrible career coaching record because he endured so many losses early in his career. To the point where people will now just look at his record and say, look at all these losses. He can't be a good coach. Is he really the guy that we want? He was perfect for the process when he got everybody to play hard. Is he the right guy to take the next step? Perhaps he is. I'm really confident in the Sixers. I'm feeling good about Joel Embiid. I think their starting lineup is going to be great, and I think they'll cobble together a bench. Surely they'll get buyout guys down the line. Uh, so I'm confident in Brett Brown, but if things go poorly, if uh, if it looks bad and they're not and they're not hot out of the start, you're gonna hear the buzz immediately. Those two <laughs> things generally go hand in hand, though. Obviously, Definitely, right? Coach of the year and being fired. Um, that we've seen that before, so that's that's an interesting pick. He's not Elton Brand's guy either. True, and yeah. that that often counts against the coach. And and even last season, remember when they were two and up on the Raptors, game four in Philadelphia. You know, to lose that series from there. Brett Brown was on the hot seat mm-hmm. even then. Um, he survived, but you do feel that the Sixers probably don't want to give him too much uh, leeway this season if, as Trey's saying there, that they start off slowly and things don't click for them early. So you basically see, though, because you believe in the Sixers, if he can if he can weather the storm for the first month or so and they go on to win or, or close to winning 60 games and maybe the number one seed in the East, maybe even overall in the league, that that will, that will be enough to get the nod. Exactly. Yeah. I think the the talent is good enough that even if it, it the fit doesn't look perfect or the system doesn't look perfect, they can still make him look good by being an incredible team. Okay. What about you guys? Well, I talked a little bit earlier about the Nuggets, who I think could win 60 games. So yeah. I'm going with Mike Malone for coach of the year. I think uh, that tends to be what gets a coach, coach of the year, most wins. Yep. And he's been there. He's been on the hot seat too there in Denver. And last season, they actually... You know, more or less met their expectations that they made the playoffs, had some success, nearly made it to the conference finals. I think the Nuggets know that Mike Malone is a good coach. We knew he was a good coach in Sacramento when he got a raw deal out there. He's now had a little bit of time. He's been able to overcome that that first season or two there in Denver and showing that he's uh, having success. So I think this is a, a really good opportunity for Denver to to cement the number one seed in the Western Conference. And if they do that, you know, maybe it's not 50, uh, 60 wins, maybe it's only 57 or 58, but I think Mike Malone will get a lot of interest and a lot of buzz uh, for that Yeah, award. because there's expectations now with the Nuggets, and I think you could also lump in the Jazz with Quinn Snyder. So if one of those two teams, um, be it the Nuggets or Jazz, like if they have the number one seed in the West, I think you're right. I think I could see one of those guys ultimately winning the award. Yeah, and, and as you're sort of saying there with Brett Brown, let's say the Nuggets, with those expectations, do get off to a slow start and they're struggling, then he's immediately back on the hot seat yeah, as well yeah. because because of uh, the success they had last season. So, um, But I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think you know when you're returning a team and you've got a superstar player, um, I don't think there's a, a huge clash of egos within that locker room right now. Mm-hmm. So I think the Nuggets were gonna, are going to be a good team and I think he's going to be uh, certainly in line for the award. Tess? You remember last season... There was like a third of the league had coach candidate, coach of the year yeah, candidates. There was a lot. It generally is, as you guys are saying, top of the standings type of an award. If you win 55, 60 games, uh, you're, you're you good basically chance. the front runner. Yeah. I like a surprise one this year. Maybe we're going to change it up a little bit. Somebody who wins 45 to 48. You're going boiling. I'm, I'm going <laughs> a friend of boiling. Um, I'm going simmering. I'm going. 
Lloyd Pierce. Oh, okay. Lloyd Pierce, a guy who many people don't know is an NBA head coach. I'm sure he's the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, but exactly the same thing as Jim Boylan. If they surprise and they get up there in, in, as I said, the the 45-win range, he could win it. Um, you know, like Sam Mitchell did with the Raptors. Excuse me, the Hawks, 45 wins? I know, it's crazy. It's crazy. That would be a great Coach of the Year case, though. Yeah, yes. Tass, yeah. you and I are... you got to be above 500, yeah. for sure. Tass, you and I are on the exact same wavelength with this one. I think this is going to be one of those uh, Coach of the Year type of years where it's not one of the best teams, for whatever reason. Um, because I, be, And I think the parity in the NBA, or at least what appears to be the parity in the NBA, between the top teams sort of helps that chances of maybe it not going to them because you're like, oh, he's got one or two more wins, you know, like in the case of a Brett Brown or in the case of a Quinn Snyder. It's like, it's like unless somebody really separates themselves from that sort of upper echelon pack, then I don't think maybe the uh, one of the better teams will win it, the coach for the better teams. So I'm with you. I think we're getting a Sam Mitchell situation here because that was the last time we had a coach of the year win under 50 games. That 06, yeah. 07 season when Mitchell with the Raps, he helped them... They won like 20 more games than the year prior and you know won the division that year and were the third season third seed in the East after having a crappy year the year before. So I think you're right with like a Lloyd Pierce. I think Jim Boylan is a possibility. <laughs> if if like look, if if the Bulls win 45 games and that's a 23 win increase right there, so maybe it's in play. Elvin Gentry with the Pelicans, something similar, 33 wins to let's say like a you know it'd have to be a 46, 47 win season or even Rick Carlisle with the Mavericks, if they were like that from 33 wins last year to a 46 or 47. I think you're right, Ted. I think it's going to be a weird sort of wild card one where we maybe get uh, not an upper echelon team, uh, the coach of an upper echelon, upper echelon team winning it this year. I think it might be a Mitchell, a Sammy Mitchell. I'm, I'm with you. Hey, quick trivia quiz. Uh, who is the Memphis Grizzlies coach? Oh, man. Uh, yeah. I, I just read it. It's a very young man. Very, yeah, very right. young man. Taylor Jenkins. That's, that's right. right. Taylor yeah. Jenkins. Yeah. Wow. Good wow. trivia. just came out, of, came out of nowhere, didn't it? That one. Good like, trivially. You know, yeah. Um, you said already Brett Brown, Trey. Is there one, anyone else that you guys have on the hot seat when it comes to coaching? I got the Suns, Monty Williams, because the Suns coach is always on the hot seat. <laughs> yeah. and, and watching them in the preseason – Sometimes DeAndre Ayton gets the ball. Sometimes he doesn't. And uh, I, I think that's basically the Suns' trajectory is DeAndre Ayton's his window. I mean, his his greatness level, really. And so if he doesn't get the ball, I could see Robert Sarver and the front office just being a little bit worried that DeAndre Ayton isn't being great if he doesn't touch the ball. I just I see a bit of an old-school offense with Monty Williams where the wings touch the ball a lot. I see Kelly Oubre touching the ball a lot. Uh, and that doesn't bode well, I don't think, for his future, even though he just signed his contract four years, only $11 million reportedly, and that's not a ton of money, I think, for the frugal Robert Sarver to cut mm. if something like that happens. It would be crazy, again, to just fire a coach immediately after signing him, but it's the Suns, so who the heck knows. And, Lee, you've already talked before about you think Mike D'Antoni yeah, uh, he, could, be, could be in a tough spot being a lame duck coach. He's clearly uh, – I don't think he'll be coaching the Rockets after this season anyway. So whether or not they fire him during the season or let him play it out, I think that's, that's going to be an issue. If the Rockets aren't doing well and they need an excuse, bang, he's gone. Mm-hmm. Frank Vogel, so, too. We talked about him. Jason Kidd yeah. breathing down his neck. If they get off to yeah. a bad start, we've seen that with LeBron teams before. Uh, I actually – two more just to throw out there just because their teams are going a different direction now – Billy Donovan, 
uh, with the Thunder and maybe Scott Brooks with the Wizards. Just uh, just you know refreshing it up and getting new blood in there. Maybe sort of a rebuilding type of coach um, for both of those franchises if that's the direction Didn't they go. John Wall wasn't John Wall and Brooks fighting. I know John Wall's obviously out, but wasn't there the chaos? there last year in Washington because things haven't gone that well. So maybe without John Wall there, he gets a little bit more of a, uh, you know, a chance. Well, and, but now you have a new GM and Tommy Shepard and sure. you're always going to try and get your own guy. Yeah. And again, like there's such a, they could be in such a situation where it's like, maybe they, I know they've talked about not wanting to deal him, but maybe they do trade Beal and try mm. and get back young guys and picks and stuff like that. And then it's like completely blown up. Um, and then maybe you just want to, you know, you want like a Lloyd Pierce type of coach to mm-hmm. sort of see that over. So, We'll I am a little excited for the Billy Donovan situation in Oklahoma City. I know it sounds crazy, but Billy Donovan, a college-type coach, yeah. wants to see yep. the ball move. Hmm. It's happening. He's going to get a chance. You're right. I'm not saying, like, day one here, he's, uh, oh, my, he's, he's going to get fired. No, you're, you're, you're right. He's going to get a chance with without stars now to sort of, not that, there's, there's talent there, of course, still, but it is a different type of team without Westbrook, uh, definitely. All right, our next one. Another award. Getting all the awards in here. Who wins Defensive Player of the Year, and do you care? <laughs> this is an interesting award um, because it, it's it, about defense. Yeah, it's about <laughs> defense, but it, it's rare that like a uh, a dark horse can come and win this one. You know, you kind of <laughs> yeah, you win it once, you win it twice, maybe three times. You know, Rudy's <laughs> won it a couple of times. Draymond, Kawhi, but I'm going to go with a guy who I think because his team is going to be in the spotlight all season long, and he's clearly going to be a guy who's going to get a job. Doing defense, playing defense. I wonder if Patrick Beverly can do it. I just wonder if he can do it. He's a great defender, of course. A little he's, guard, a little guard. A, yeah, hard. he's a tenacious defender. We haven't hard had a, 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 a guards tend to not win this award. Yeah. yeah, but the Clippers defense. Now they've got a lot of great defenders. You know, obviously Kawhi and Paul George, great players like that. But I wonder if Pat will just be the, uh, you know, the teeth of that defense. Mm-hmm. That's that's tough to see. I know. I know, like but especially if you're playing on a team with Kawhi and Paul, Paul George. And Kawhi. Yeah, yeah, but but Kawhi, listen, let's be honest. Kawhi, as great a defensive player he is, he's not the same locked in as he no, was. No, you're right. True. When he won it, and I just uh, this is what Patrick Beverly wants. He wants yep. defensive player. He of the definitely year. He, wants that. This is the award that for him would mean more than anything else. Yeah, you know, he's he's obviously not going to win a VP or anything like that. He's made two all defensive teams. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah. But yeah. you're right. He's talked about wanting this for sure. And the Clippers' defense should be top two or three in the mm-hmm. league. There's no question be. about yep. it. And uh, and, and he's the guy who's going to be talking all season long. He, he, you know, he's he feels disrespected all the time because of the contribution he makes to a team. This this could be his chance to for people to say, man, that Clippers defense starts with Patrick Beverly. Starts with Mister Ninety Four Feet. Yeah. Starts at the ninety fourth foot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Trey, uh, let's say our answer together because I think we're on the same wavelength after preview one. Uh, All right. We, fr- oh, first name right. and last name together on one, two, three. Joel Embiid. <laughs> yeah, well, to me, when I look at it, Rudy Gobert, probably still the favorite. He yep. has won the be- the last two, but I kind of think the Jazz defense is going to fall off this year. I think uh, no Jay Crowder around, no Derek Favors around. Those guys are solid defensive players. So if the Jazz take a step back defensively, I think it kind of allows the voters to look other places. If, if the Jazz aren't a behemoth on the defensive end, you're fine voting for somebody else. Voter fatigue is a real thing. People like to move on. People like something fresh. The starter's dead. No dunks. We're in. The name is good. It's hot. 
Yeah. So three, that's why three I think, in a row is real tough. Yeah, it's super tough. Uh, but you know, Anthony Davis is already getting the LeBron hype. Anthony Davis is going to have to do almost everything for the Lakers to be a solid defensive team. He, as a rim protector, really enables Danny Green and Avery Bradley to be aggressive. Uh, on the perimeter defensively. And I think if you see Avery Bradley, KCP, Danny Green having good defensive years where they look energized, where they look like attack dogs defensively, a lot of that credit will go to Anthony Davis. If he's able to uh, to make L.A. a top 10 defensive team and, you know, be in the top five blocks, get a whole bunch of rebounds. He's getting steals as well. He'll get a lot of he'll get a lot of votes. That's a good one. Uh, I wonder how good the, those those perimeter defenders are going to be on, on the Lakers to just slow it down a little bit. And he's great at the five. Anthony Davis can mm-hmm. be great when he wants to be. Um, but I wonder with JaVale McGee back there for 20 minutes a game, how great they're going to be. Uh, I, I'm in the same credit boat as you, though. I think Joel Embiid's going to get a lot of credit for the Sixers jumping up uh, in the defensive rankings. They're middle-of-the-pack team last year at 14th, even though Joel Embiid proclaims that he should be defensive player of the year they're sort of average but now you throw in josh richardson instead of jj reddick hello uh and al horford in there instead of jimmy butler al horford's a great defensive player i think the credit for them going into a top five or top six defensive rating would be going to joel Embiid. uh even though as i said on monday show al horford never gets credit uh-huh. uh they're just they're just too stacked and then ben simmons is your point guard uh, they're just so good and so long. I, I, there's there's just the potential for Joel Embiid to have that MVP slash Defensive Player of the Year season, which would be nuts, and it would be only the third pop quiz, only the third guy to ever do it in NBA history. It's too Jordan Olajuwon. Jordan Olajuwon, way mm. too easy. Pop quiz, how tall is Billy Donovan? 5'11". 6'2". 5'11 is bang on. Wow. Lee, Lee loves the random pop quiz. Yeah. <laughs> I think with, with both of your picks, Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid, guys, you're going to have to hope those teams are you know, one of the better teams defensively in the league overall, defensive rating, because the last time we had a last time we had a player win this award from a team not even in the top 10 in defensive rating was like Marcus Camby way back in that again that 0607 season what was going on that weird season uh, when he won that when he won defensive player of the year when he was anchoring the Nuggets like 12th ranked defense so and I think the Lakers and Sixers could be in the top 10 defensively should be almost I think in the top 10 defensively if everybody stays healthy so those are those are fair picks Draymond Green is interesting to me like from a narrative perspective um, sort of being the what feels like the lone guy defensively now on the Warriors, and if he can sort of keep them, um, you know, in the mix, obviously in terms of the win-loss records, but also as a sort of a great still defensive team, I don't know how he wouldn't get a lot of votes. If it's Curry offensively and Draymond defensively, he's going to be right there. Giannis, he was runner-up last year. He got like yep. 26, 27, 28 first-place votes, so you'd imagine the Bucks will still be good defensively. He's going to warrant some some love uh, for the Defensive Player of the Year. And I just saw this recently. It shocked me a little bit because I, I did forget how much of a rim protector he is, how many blocks he racks up, and he's talking about... He was talking up the fact that he wants to win Defensive Player of the Year. Chris Tapp's Porzingis. Hmm. Says he wants it. He's, like, focusing on this. I guess, you know, Anthony Davis has done something similar. So there's, like, those those to me, and you throw Beverly in there, Lee, but that's, like... The six big guys there: AD, Joel Embiid, Gobert, Green, Giannis, and Porzingis, and then you got Patrick Beverly. It's it, this one I find it's always difficult. I mean, do you just play it safe and go, well, who takes it away from Rudy mm. Gobert? Man, maybe that is the way to do it. But I think Draymond Green, if he is the Draymond Green from the playoffs 
and he plays like that from game one um, to, to help his Warriors' chances of not only making the playoffs but getting a high seed, wow, he'll, he'll have a strong case to win his second, uh, obviously with the Rudy Gobert winning two in between them. But how uh, are they going to be a great defensive team without the wings that they yeah, lost in Andrean Godala and Sean Livingston? That's my narrative Thompson. perspective. You're right. I mean, mm. you, you look at it and you go, how could they possibly still be that good? And Clay Thompson, I've talked him up before. Like, he's such a great defender. I mean, we always talk about a shot and catching fire and being able to drop 50 and 60 in the blink of an eye. But he's such a strong defensive wing player. And now he won't be there too? Yeah. Um, but maybe Draymond is that good and, and can get these guys moving in the right spot and be in that Kevin Garnett barking out orders and, and just flying around the court. You're right, unlikely, unlikely, mm-hmm. but the narrative is there. If they shock people and are still one of the better defensive teams, he's going to get, and deservedly so, probably all the credit for it. Mm-hmm. You just wonder as well about Miles Turner, who, remember on our oh, show, he, was, he wanted to win that award and yep. he didn't even make all defensive mm-hmm. teams no, last season. And uh, yeah, he's a very good defender, and the Pacers always have a decent defense as yep. well. So. You wonder if uh, he'll get a little bit more respect this season because uh, he was kind of overlooked, I think, largely because it's the Pacers. Right. You know, and people mm-hmm. are like, yeah, we, you know, we respect them, but we just don't really, those guys don't stand out. So a guy like him is coming in this season with a real big chip on his shoulder to prove that he is one of the best defenders in the league. Officially, though, put me down. Um, I'm with Trey. Put me down for, excuse me, I'm with Tass. I'm going to LMB for Defensive Player of the Year. I, I think that's the, all the, the the case you guys made for him there, Tass, you made for him. Just he's going to get all he's going to get a lot of the credit because the whole defense as a whole should be pretty nightmarish. So we'll see. Right. All right, our final one here, part three. We're ending with a fun one, as we always do, guys. Who has the best New Jersey? In the NBA, there are so many throwbacks that we've seen uh, being unveiled over the last couple of weeks, last couple of months. What's your favorite? What do you got? The Philadelphia 76ers are going with a 1970-71 classic jersey, and it is sick, Yeah, y'all. it's pretty nice. Whoa, wow. <laughs> Reminds you of childhood, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite. I was still, uh, still a, a, a thought at that point, but... It is a beautiful one. It's got 76ers written in this real sexy font. Yep. Uh, great colors. Trey, look at this. This is great podcasting because I'm showing you a photo that no one <laughs> I else love it. See. I love it. Look at that. Explain the photo. It. Explain the photo. Look at that. All right. It, it's Joel Embiid holding his jersey in the nipple region, pulling out 76ers. It looks like a hand-drawn font. Very old school. All right. Very cool. Very, yeah, yeah, very yeah. sexy. I like that one okay, a lot. Okay, so you got to Google these people. I know exactly yeah. which ones you're talking about, Lee. They are nice. They, they uh, correct me if I'm wrong, though, they unveiled those like a long time ago, too. Like, think they were going to wear them this season. And there was like the photo shoot with Ben Simmons yeah. and Joel Embiid, like on the car yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, with the 70s car. Yeah, it looks great. All right. You love the 70s, man. You're a big 70s guy. <laughs> the swinging 70s. Oh, yeah. I saw the other day in Atlanta, <laughs> I saw someone driving a uh, Jaguar. With a Union uh, Jack painted over. A what? Yeah, a Jaguar, right? <laughs> Do you yeah, like luxury? I've got a photo here, right? And it, uh, it had, where it has Jaguar, they had um, made it to say Shaguar. Hey, was it me? That was, what, that was my car in high school. Mine was a Cutlass Supreme that had a license plate that said Shaguar. Oh, but, it was. Uh, 
It you know, I was working my way up to affording the Union Jack, <laughs> I suppose. Or maybe you drove by Austin Powers, whatever yeah. it is. I, I can't. I couldn't believe it. I got a photo. I can't now. You're I, waiting, I, I we're up, waiting I'm for me to scroll. I updated, you save it, it to your favorites. No, I updated like. my iOS last night. I can't do anything. Oh, now. you never oh. want to do that. Oh, never come update. On, what is going on? Never update your iOS. Oh. Your phone well, especially will stop if you're going to show your friends a picture on your oh, phone no. the next day on an audio format. Yeah, here it is. Look at this. Okay, great. And and the license plate is just swinger. Okay, it looks like an Austin Powers. Yeah. Wow. It yeah, looks yeah. it's it a full look Union cool. Jack. Yeah. It's a full Union Jack. <laughs> yeah. And it says it's bumper to bumper. Wow. Where awesome. did you where did you see that Lee just down the road from your house? Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were just driving down uh, uh, Spring Street. Oh yeah, I think it was. Okay, yeah, great. It's getting it's more great. and more interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't don't you miss uh, don't you miss Spring Street, uh, JD? <laughs> I really do miss yeah. Spring Street. Uh, <laughs> okay, so you're going with the Sixers. Those it's a heck uh, of a one way. Sexy throwbacks. Yes, I. Uh, I googled best New Jersey yep. today. Uh, New Jersey is still a state. That's what came up, and in, in <laughs> that's what populated. I, I'm still in my NBA world. I, I gotta throw in an NBA in there. Yeah. And, and when I did, uh, I did see those old Sixers ones, which I, I don't think are as good as the Sixers throwbacks of last year and the year before. They come out with great throwbacks yeah. every year. Some yeah. great ones with the stars. They got good history. They do, uh, and, and beautiful jerseys because it screams America. And so those ones are great. Uh, unfortunately, one that screams Canada in a bad way are the Grizzlies throwbacks because they're going to the Vancouver Grizzlies yeah. jerseys. And, you know, it's it's not quite Seattle level of depression where they lost their their team, but uh, they look great, you know? They, they do look good. Unique. And I know you don't like Mike Bibby, but <laughs> Skeets, I think of Mike Bibby when I see those tealy, yeah. tealy greens. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, so the, I, I like those. I, I can't deny it. I can't deny it. I, and they I got the uh, they got the matching fan, so court too. They, they uh, with, yes. with the, the bear out there. I don't know if I feel right about throwing the court. I'm okay with jerseys. <laughs> wow, but you know, you know what I mean. Isn't it a bit of a salt in the wound? Sure. You don't want yeah. it to look too much like Vancouver in there, <laughs> right? Yeah. I get you. Jerseys are fine, but anyways, those those do look great. Okay, like, those go- those were an all time great. Going with those. What about you, Trey? There's a cool Hawks peach jersey that has yet to be unveiled. Black oh. with peach. Stay Whoa. on the lookout for that. Whoa. Pretty cool look. Scoop, scoop, man. Uh, Easy there, Woj. <laughs> you know we go to one Hawks media day, <laughs> and things really change. I also like uh, the new Pacers gold statement jersey they have. Yep. It looks uh, a lot like an updated version on the f- of the mm. Flojo jersey. I love when a team doesn't just go straight to their past and take something from their past. They kind of bring it into the future. It's kind of like what the Bucks did with their uniforms. It's like, here's something we had in the 70s, but this is a 2000s take. Right. I love that. And I've also, I've talked myself into the Brooklyn graffiti jersey. Really? Uh, yeah. I'm not a fan. I, I Honestly, like I wasn't either, but I'm like, this is something different. This is something that teams haven't that actually tried. You're not just pulling a jersey from the 1970s that everybody already likes. And you're like, cool, check this out. We still like it. This is something new. We haven't seen teams with graffiti on their jerseys. They got a local artist to do it. I think it, you know, I like the way that the Nets kind of stick to a theme where they have what their jersey look like, what their jerseys and their uniforms look like, and then they kind of just edit that a little bit. You know, like their Brooklyn jersey isn't (coughs) super different than their Notorious B.I.G. jersey. It's still a Brooklyn jersey. They just added different trim. Or it's still a Brooklyn jersey, but now the font of the jersey is different. I like the way it looks. I feel like it's the kind of thing that in 30 years they'll bring back and people are like, oh man, that's so awesome. People didn't necessarily think that at the time, but it'll pay off down the line. I've got a couple I'm going to throw out you guys. I thought Lee, I thought you were going to go with the Cavs going back to the mid 1990s with the black, orange and um, powder blue yeah. look, you know, but they brought that back like, 
They wore like uh, they wore those a while ago. Yeah. Like Kyrie's maybe his rookie year. And yes. then last year they had those light blue and white ones mm. that were a version of these. But uh, I'm with you, Skeets. I love these. Yeah, like we're you know like it's the like Mark Price and like Terrell yeah, Brandon yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. John Hot, Rod Williams and stuff like that. So those are those are nice. It's they're those are more of like the opposite of what you were saying, Trey with. Brooklyn getting creative it's just like yeah here are these jerseys remember fat Sean Kemp wearing these here they are uh, but they are pretty cool they are unique uh, I like the Kings they're celebrating their 35th anniversary so they're doing like uh, a classic you know they're wearing like from 91 to 94 it's just like that King's script like word mark across the chest with that royal blue uniform I think that just looks I think it looks awesome um, but my pick just came out yesterday came out on Tuesday the Clippers on the cover of SI unveiled their new city edition uniforms and it's like grand theft auto san san andreas um they i don't know how to describe them otherwise but it's that text just that la california text it looks like a biker yeah yeah yeah, that's right um and it pops and it's pretty simple otherwise it's just white uniforms with a little bit of like darker blue trim and and that and i think it's because like the clippers have generally had some of the the worst uh, over the last little while, so maybe um, I'm influenced that way. But those are nice. There's a lot of actually, like I said, like there's a ton. Like the Hornets are doing the pinstripes again. Yeah, like, on and on Bulls. and on. Yeah, because I guess once Nike got in the mix, right? They're like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna go crazy here. You're getting something new every year. Yeah. A couple of orange jerseys in the mix. OKC has an orange jersey. Phoenix has an orange jersey. Yep. Both trash. Is anybody ever gonna have a good orange jersey? Your boy needs one. Yeah, you mm. love orange. That's right. And, and every time an orange jersey comes out, I'm like, ooh, cool. This one might be the one. But, like, the Knicks had one that wasn't great. The Bobcats, obviously, years and years ago, wasn't great. We're still waiting for the first But what about those, these Cavs ones? They got a little bit of orange in them. They got a little They're orange. You know, I like a taste there. I want to pull out my Reebok Sean Kemp 3s and wear them. Look like a Bone Thugs and Harmony video from the 90s. But that's the thing to me with the Brooklyn jersey is, like, when these Cavs jerseys came out, when those 90s Cavs jerseys came out, they were ugly. Yeah. People hated them. Yeah, and now right. it's like, bring them back. They're cool. They're cool. Yeah. So, I, I, the Brooklyn ones just... It's ugly. It's ugly. It's a little bit ugly. It's too cartoony, and that's why I don't think it'll... Aren't you a Raptors fan? <laughs> don't you love it when the Raptors bring yeah. back a scribbly pinstripe with a drawn-on Well, they've got the white version. Yeah. The white yeah, version. OG's ones. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly yeah. right. Yeah, but that was an era where teams made mistakes. Now you're just making a new mistake. I think. I think <laughs> a with, happy with mistake. The, They're called happy accidents. Watch some Bob Ross, dog. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Put a little tree right it? here. That's right. I think they should just match it with the office font on their court. Sure, sure, sure. Well, uh, Helvetica. How do you feel about the Suns? You, you mentioned theirs. Are they not like the first jersey that's, or maybe not the first, that's not going to have like their name, um, be it their team name or... I think they might be the They're, only one this season because I remember like the Bulls those, had that like, oh, yeah. stars across, but yeah, they definitely have a like, center logo yeah. right at the top. It's a. Do the Bucks have that though? I feel like the Bucks last have, season they had a black one that had yeah. like the stripes across it. Nonetheless, it is a unique jersey that that Suns orange one. It looks different, right? Because it doesn't uh, have their it, it doesn't have Phoenix jersey. or Suns on it. it is, right, that's the whole thing. You're right. I guess the Spurs have had that too, right? Didn't they just have the uh, the the um, the logo? Yeah, spur? just yeah, that little yeah. logo and Dover sort of in the corner. Anyway. There's jersey the orange time. on the Buffalo Braves jerseys, yeah, too, from yeah, the Clippers. Yeah, for sure. Let's hear from you guys. Jump on Twitter. Hashtag no dunks. Best new jersey. You can share the picture with us. 
Hopefully you can find it on your phone a little faster than my man Lee Ellis could there. <laughs> Tweet at us. We want to see what uh, you guys think. Maybe it is Maybe it is those Bulls jerseys that we talked about going back to the Jordan uh, pinstripe days. Let us know. All right, we're going to call it there for part three of our NBA season preview series. Got two more to come on Thursday and Friday. Follow us on social media at No Dunks Inc. You can find that on Facebook as well. Email us, nodunks at theathletic.com. Smash that follow button. Smash that subscribe button wherever you listen to the No Dunks podcast. If you listen on Apple, leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. It really helps us out. Helps others find the show. And that's what it's all about. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, folks. And remember, el guapo golpe es un jugador de los Dallas Mavericks. Embrace the day, people. Embrace the day, people.